Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. John chapter 1. John's gospel is interesting. There's four gospels that all communicate and depict and reveal the life and ministry of Jesus, the Son of God. They're all four devoted to one key element, revealing the Son of God. Revealing the Son of God. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four present to you what God with us looks like. How many of you were with us for our Christmas Eve service? What a powerful time we had, man. And we heard the message of Emmanuel, God with us, that uh, man today is attempting to try to get to God, but God has already got a plan to get himself to us. And if we will run with his plan, we'll find that it won't take as much striving and effort and uh, religious activity to try to be with God, that he's already devoted a plan, devised a plan to, to be with you, not just in proximity. You say, well, you know, isn't God everywhere? Isn't his presence everywhere? Well, that's, that's one element of God is that, yes, he is um, omnipotent. He's omniscient, all-knowing. Um, he is all, he's everywhere at all times, yes. But the key is the partnership. And that's what we tried to highlight in our Christmas Eve service. Are we participating with heaven? Jesus did not just come to be near us. He came to be with us, meaning that you and I both hold a function with Jesus himself to accomplish the mission of the kingdom. It's different if I say I'm with you, but I never support you. I never uh, encourage you. I never help you, assist you, come alongside you. But when someone says I'm with you, you want them to mean no matter what you're going through, no matter what comes up, You can call on me day or night. Like that's the kind of I'm with you that we want. And that's what Jesus meant. And that's what God meant when he said, Emmanuel, God with us. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they show us this Jesus, this God with us. And Jesus's life, man, it's just incredible. There's so much. If you really read the word, not just religious activity, not just everybody's idea of Jesus, but what the gospels actually present. They show us an example of what heaven on earth looks like. They show us what it looks like to be fully submitted to God the King. And in return, be authorized as an element of authority in the earth to literally become an agent of change to everything around you. And there was nothing that Jesus encountered that he did not exercise dominion and authority over. There's nothing that he came across whether it be sickness and disease, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, not enough bread, not enough food, um, a storm in the middle of the ocean that's threatening to kill us, middle of the, the Sea of Galilee threatening to kill us, whether, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, demon possession, demon activity, or even death itself. Jesus ruled, reigned, revealed a life of consistent and constant authority over these elements and alter these elements to look like heaven. But John's gospel is a little weird. You know, Matthew, 
starts with the genealogy of man. Starts with Adam, brings us all the way down. Then we get the birth of Jesus. We get down to Joseph and Mary. And then we get, you know, the the birth of Jesus. We get the story of the wise men. Uh, You know, Mark's a little different. He actually starts right at Jesus' baptism. He actually starts with the prophecy of, uh, you know, there was a man uh, that was prophesied of that would be in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. And immediately in the first chapter, you see Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. Luke, we get the Christmas story. We get the, the biggest picture of the Christmas story and Jesus' birth and Jesus' initiation. But John starts in a different place. John 1.1 literally says this, in the beginning. Now, where else have we seen in the beginning? Genesis, the beginning. And so... He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John takes a different approach. He says, I'm actually going to take you to a beginning before the beginning. I'm going to take you to the very start of this whole thing, because if you miss the very beginning, you're going to miss Jesus. You're going to miss his revealing. You're going to miss his ministry. You're going to miss his purpose. You're going to miss his assignment. You're going to miss his calling. So he says, I'm going to take you all the way back before anything even showed up on this planet. Jesus was in existence. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. There's that with God again. God with us, the word was with God, meaning in partnership, teamed up with, in sync with. God's word and God's heart are never out of alignment. Think about that. How many times do we say something we really don't mean, whether good or bad? How many times uh, does our our words fail us or befall us, and we don't really mean that in our heart of hearts, yet God's word and God's heart are always in sync, always in line. The word was with God, and the word was with. God. In Psalms, it actually tells us that he reveres uh, his word above his name because his word is his name. Meaning that if I put my word on it, you can, you can count on it. I'm going to follow through. I will perform that which I promise. My word will not return void. It will accomplish that which it is sent to do. God never says a word to speak a thing. God says a word to do a thing. God's word is him at work. So when he says it, you know he'll do it. And there's never been a time in history where he's failed to fulfill a promise he's given. Never, not one time. You are not the exception to the rule. You aren't the first person on the planet that God has finally failed in his promises. No, his word always performs. His word always will accomplish that which he sends it to do. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now watch this. All things were made through Him, and without Him, notice we still got a capital H, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. Meaning that the role of the Word of God, see, we we think about Jesus in the timeline of the 33 and a half years He was on this earth. When I say Jesus, that's what we think of. 
Whatever image you grew up with, it usually might be based on, uh, you know, a, a denomination or, uh, or a parent or a grandparent or a pastor. You know, some of us have the hard Jesus that's just waiting to condemn you. Some of us have the, the easy Jesus that carries around sheep everywhere he goes and welcomes children and just does nice things. Maybe he's in a white robe. Maybe he's on a cross. Maybe he's arisen. Maybe, he's, maybe some of us still like baby Jesus. He's not baby Jesus anymore, but some of us just like baby Jesus. We all take on these ideas of Jesus, but I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus wasn't just the man in the flesh for 33 and a half years. He was the word from the very beginning, from the very beginning. So all things were made through him, meaning that God was working in partnership with his word And without him, without those words, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We addressed this a couple of weeks ago. That word comprehend, there's actually several different translations that you can take from that word comprehend. One, obviously, is comprehend as in understand. The darkness did not understand it. But the second variation of this word comprehend is extinguish or overcome. Meaning that the darkness could not overcome the light. Remember what we talked about? You can't ever make it so dark that you turn off the light. That's impossible. It it takes just the smallest flicker of light to abolish even the greatest depth of darkness. I mean, darkness to where you, you know, you start to, get queasy, like, it's so dark, I don't even know where I'm at, I don't even know if I'm upside down, and one light shows up, it doesn't matter, you can light a match, and it'll extinguish darkness, the light, the darkness could not overcome the light, he goes on to say, there was a man sent from God, whose name was John, and this man came for a witness, now this is not John writing the gospel, John. This is John speaking of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin born six months prior to him. Y'all remember that? This man came for a witness. What witness? To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He came as a way to prepare the way for the word, for the light, for Jesus. And John the Baptist took that role very seriously, didn't he? He was baptizing people into, you know, from the remission of their sins, baptism of repentance, prepare ye the way. He would talk about him and say, there's one coming after me. I'm, 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 I'm not even worthy of untying or tying his, his shoes. And of course, you know, Jesus approaches and says, I need you to baptize me. And he says, whoa, 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 you got this backwards. I need to be baptized of you. He says, no, we got to fulfill the word. You are going to baptize me. John the Baptist came to prepare a way to make us aware of something coming. Think about preparing the way. It's letting you know that there's something coming on the other side. It's letting you know that God is making his entrance into the earth in the flesh. 
God is getting ready to reveal himself through his word by putting it in flesh, manifesting it in the form of his son, Jesus. But before Jesus shows up, John the Baptist, Jesus even said this of John the Baptist, he's the greatest of all prophets. He's the greatest of all. Why? Because he's literally the one preparing the way for my entrance, preparing the way for my company. And this is what I want you to know, is that Jesus is making entrance into this world once again. But to do so, he needs someone to prepare the way, make way for the king. Now, this time when he comes, the first time he came, he came as a suffering servant. But this time when he comes, he's not coming as a suffering servant. He's coming as a reigning king with a sword coming out of his mouth on horseback, ready to dominate, rule, and overtake. Amen. That's Jesus. You might have a different version of Jesus, but that's the Jesus that's coming back. Well, he says that the darkness did not comprehend the light and that a man named John the Baptist was necessary to make way for Jesus to come into the earth. Verse 8 says he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That means this, and Romans alludes to this. Romans chapter 1 says this, that we will be without excuse that there is a God, a creator of the universe that's destined, created, purposed each one of us for such a time as this. We will be without excuse knowing right from wrong, knowing who the king is, knowing who is ultimately in control, knowing uh, who has master planned this whole thing. You know how much work it takes to be an atheist? It takes more faith to be an atheist than to just believe the word. It takes more faith not to believe. In essence, this, this is how it is. Before we entered a fallen nature, Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they were designed, it was written into their code, it was written into their existence to be aware of the greater one. You actually have to work harder to make yourself unaware. It's more natural to believe there's a greater being, there's someone that has master planned this whole thing. I have a purpose. And so the enemy works in this way to deceive, twist, manipulate, hide the fact of not just that God exists, but what his intentions are, what his purposes are. Isn't that what the snake came to Eve with initially? Did God really say? And then by questioning God's word, questioned his character? questioned his nature, questioned his intentions. Oh, he, he just doesn't want you to know. He's withholding something from you. He doesn't want you to find this out, or he doesn't want you to discover this. And that's what the enemy is still doing today. He'll even do it through accusation to kind of throw you off the scent, so to speak. 
manipulate and twist and withhold and pervert and hide God's true nature, God's true character, and God's true intentions for this world and for you and I today. And God is wanting you and I to become aware of his plan and his purpose once again. I've been telling you all this for about the last month, month and a half or so, probably since about Thanksgiving, that I've just felt impressed on my heart, burdened almost, that this is going to be a year of greater awareness. This is going to be a year where we become greatly aware, almost hypersensitive, if you will, to the plan of God not just for our lives individually. I know we all want to know God's plan. Should I marry him and should I date her and should I move there? Should I take this job or should I do this? Or should, is, is this the time to start having kids? Is this the time to stop having kids? Hey, we all want to know the answers to, to life's greatest, toughest questions. But I'm talking about God's master plan, God's big plan, because I know this, we're closer to the end than we ever have. And I want to be prepared. I mean, if, if, if God's going through all this effort to make us aware of something, isn't that an indicator that he's trying to clue us in? He's trying to let us know? It's time to stop, like I've been telling us, it's time to stop thinking that God is vague, general, uh, you know, just speaking around the bush but not ever really getting to the point or not intelligent enough to make himself clear and known to us. It's time to see the God that is bending over backwards to reveal himself to you, to show you his plan, to show you his purpose, to show you his destiny. And so the enemy's number one job is to blind the hearts and the eyes of men, to conceal what God is trying to reveal, to hide and manipulate and twist so that ultimately, not only do we miss out on God's plan, we miss out on our role in God's plan, our purpose in God's plan. He's going through a lot of work to prepare us to see something. John the Baptist, verse 8, he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9 says, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10 says, he was in the world and the world was made through him. Here it is, but the world did not know him. How could it be that we don't even recognize our own designer when he shows up? How can it be that we were made by him, yet we don't even recognize he's right in our midst? It's interesting in Jesus' life and in Jesus' ministry because it just takes some time. And look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at the people that recognized him as the son of God. And look at the ones that didn't recognize him as the son of God. This was interesting to me. Demons knew what Pharisees couldn't figure out. That was interesting. A demon knew when Jesus showed up, threw himself at his feet and say, Lord, what would you have to do with us? 
But yet Pharisees are like, that's a carpenter. Isn't that amazing? How blind do you have to be that you can't even see what demons know? This is when I tell you, the devil knows more about you than you. And he wants to conceal that, and he wants to hide that, and he wants to manipulate that. And really everything that we deal with in life stems from this matter of are we aware of the Father? Are we aware of heavenly activity? Are we aware? I'm not talking about, you know, something cosmic and mysterious. I mean, there is mystery to it, but 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 not something is in this mysterious way, like, you know, just, you know, it, it, it's, it's twisted where it can go if we're not grounded in the word. It got to remain grounded in the word. But there is activity happening beyond what we see in the natural. There's activity happening. There are plans and purposes and pursuits and, and things put in motion that we've got to step over into a supernatural capacity to see some things. And I remind you, God is trying to reveal himself to us. He's trying to make it known. But the blinders have to come off. The blinders, this is more than just doctrinal value. This is more than just theological uh, 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 learning in the mind. This is more than just uh, saying a prayer so I can leave here and go there. there. There's so much more that God is trying to do. There's so much more that God is up to. Anybody want to know what God's up to in these last days? I mean, I know you said it's all for my good. But what are you up to, God? What are you devising? What are you scheming? What are you, what are you planning? What are you developing? What are you interested in? I want to know these things. He says he was in the world. The world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to his own. And his own did not receive him. It should actually be more natural for us to regard spiritual things. You know, and it's not even the world that has turned us off to spiritual things, it's the church. If we get spiritual things incorrect, their motives, their intents, their uses. I just did a whole series just this past year on the gifts of the Spirit. I just did a whole series on word of wisdom, word of knowledge, working of miracles, gift of faith, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, did, did the whole nine gifts. Why? We need to know the exercises and uses of spiritual things. Paul said, I do not want you to be ignorant of this. He could have said that about a lot of things. He said, this thing, we've got to get this right. We've got two whole chapters dedicated to tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy in the book of 1 Corinthians. And they were written because people were messing it up. They were written because we were misusing them and abusing them. And he didn't say, ah, just throw it out, just forget it, it's this nonsense. He said, let me teach you how to use this right because you're going to need this. 
We need prophecy in these last days. We need the prophetic in operation. We need the apostolic in operation. We need the gifts of the spirit in operation. We need words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Guys, I don't know everything. You don't know everything. We need heaven to interact with our minds and reveal things to us. But if we're too caught up with the natural, we'll miss what's right in front of us. We'll miss. When we're caught up with activity, we're caught up with religion. Remember, religion is man's attempt to get to God. The kingdom is God's attempt to get to man. And so it's it's not until we become interested in the things God's interested in that we're going to see the heaven on earth in the capacity that I believe we're going to see it. And, and, and it's not a matter of if we see it, it's a matter of who will see it. Let me make this abundantly clear. Don't think for a second that God's plan is all up to our cooperation and participation. It is. But it's not a matter of, well, if they figure it out, somebody's going to figure it out. I'm just determining I want to be a part of the somebody. I want to be a part of the group that ushers in the second coming of Christ. I want to be a part of the group that is occupying till I, till I come back. I want to be a part of the group that is doing kingdom work and maintaining the kingdom mission and advancing the kingdom assignment in the earth until he returns. Somebody's going to do it. You know what I love about God is that no matter how much we mess this thing up, he never changes his plan. Let's take Ephesians chapter 4. And I give you uh, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And then he says, you know, things like, until you all come to the unity of the faith, until you all grow up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, until you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, You can speak the truth in love. I mean, it's almost like everything he lists there in verses 11 through 16 is like, we're messing all that up. It's like, God, you think you might want a different plan. Maybe the pastors and the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the teachers isn't cutting it. I mean, it it almost seems we're more divided in the church than ever before. I mean, you know, you know someone, if they were the only member in their church, they would split it. Some people are just that divisive. <laughs> I mean, it's just like things are going worse, but yet God hasn't stepped in and said, all right, scratch Ephesians. He's not marking it out in the Bible and saying, let's do something different. Jesus is not coming. Get this together. Jesus is not coming to finally do what we have all failed to do. He's coming to receive to himself a church that is doing what the word says the church is supposed to be doing. Let's just understand that. We cannot have more faith in the return of Jesus than we do in the power of the church. He has assigned us. He's commissioned us. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We're going to see it. I said, we're going to see it. I'm determined we will see it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to see it. I don't buy the lies that we're on the downward trend. What I call it is pruning. That's what I call it. Cutting away the fringe 
the, the, the outliers, the ones that aren't serious, to get to the core of those that are saying, man, I'm remaining steadfast with the purpose. You know, I, I, I've noticed this just in, you know, verbiage and lingo and, and talk and social media posts, that, that there's been more talk lately of revival uh, and, you know, moves of the Spirit, flowing with the Spirit, outpourings of the Spirit. And, and in one sense, I'm like, where have you been? Where were you five years ago? That's what we were talking about. It almost has that feeling of like, you know, when you root for a team that's doing really poorly and then they start doing good and all of a sudden the bandwagon fans start showing up. Oh man, the guys are like, where have you been? I've been supporting this team when I was the only one that believed they could do anything. God, I got that feeling like, these are not guys, these are not, we're not taking cues from the world. The church should not be taking cues from the world. What's popular? What's drawing? There's so many people, that's all they're interested in. What gets the crowd? It's, it's, it's selfish and ambition at its root, at its core. Just what gets the crowd? What can we say that people will hop on? It's like, oh yeah, they're the ones doing that. I mean, no, we didn't just all of a sudden turn this on because of COVID. This is who we are. This is our DNA. This is what is in us. And I'm glad you're getting excited about tongues and, and, and speaking in tongues and praying in tongues and, 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 and prophecy and words of knowledge and revival meetings and staying, uh, you know, uh, you know, till your eyes are rolling in the back of your head. I, I'm excited that's getting exciting, but I'm not on this thing just because it's popular and excited. You know, Jesus's ministry was like that. There was a time they, they were flocking to him like they, he couldn't turn them away, cutting off roofs and throwing people down in them and, and staying on the side of a mountain for three days, starving to death, but not even thinking about it because he's ministering the word. But you know what? He went to the cross by himself when it wasn't popular, when even those closest to him denied him. No, this is a kingdom that is not just for popularity. This is a kingdom that's not just uh, uh, about, you know, how many people can we uh, you know, magnetized to our message? How many seats can we fill? No, there's, there, at, at its core, there's sacrifice, there's surrender, there's a laying down, there's a repentance that's necessary, there's abandoning one view and fully buying into another view. That's the kingdom of God. So how do we, how do we miss what is right in front of us. We have to learn once again to become aware of what should be natural. And this is where the Lord's been dealing with me. This is where he's been, this is what he's told me. And I think I said this in the past few weeks. Our awareness dictates our responsiveness. What I'm aware of determines what I respond to. What is the church's response? I mean, we think 2020 was rough. There's more 2020s naturally on the horizon. There's more things. 
There are attacks happening against the gospel, against the kingdom. And you can't take it personal and bow up in the natural. But you also can't withdraw and hide and hope it just goes away. What will be the church's response in the end times? How will we occupy till he comes? How will we bind and loose activity on the earth that needs to be bound and set free? How will we follow the kingdom mandate if we are missing what is right in front of us? It's time to raise our awareness. It's time to increase our perception of spiritual things. It's time to become aware of the right things and stop being distracted by the wrong things. He goes on to say in verse 12, but as many as received him. Well, think about that. I mean, it's obviously not, it's not highlighting the majority. When you say, but as many, you're thinking there's a, there's a, there's a group, there's a remnant, there's a few. As many as received him, to them, he gave the right, the privilege, the benefit, the access to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Another translation uh, translates declared as he has revealed him. What did Jesus say? You can't know the Father unless you know me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get to know him, you've got to go through me. He is the door. He is the way. He is the access. He's the revealer of the Father. And it's exactly what he did. Everything in his life was to reveal the Father. The Gospels reveal Jesus. Jesus revealed the Father. It's just a domino effect. You get to know the Word. You get to know Jesus. You get to know Jesus, you get to know the Father. Because Jesus never responded, well, you know, this is what my Father would want me to do, but I'm not really up to that today, I'm just going to do. And we're never out of sync, never out of alignment. And he actually says the same exact thing for the Holy Spirit. He says when the Holy Spirit speaks, he'll only say what he hears the Father say. He'll only do what he's told by the Father to do. He'll only go where he's told by the Father to go. They're in such harmony, so teamed up together. So how do we miss this? Well, it says that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And this is where we have to understand the difference between position and condition. Condition. 
If you ever notice someone that has become conditioned to do something, the conditioning process or a reconditioning process, conditioning is very important because conditioning will override positioning. He gave us the right to become children of God, positioned. But if I'm still conditioned as a child of the world, as a child of the devil, if I'm still conditioned in my thinking, the perfect example is the Israelites. He was able to free them out of Egypt, position, geographically. He was able to get them out of Egypt, but he could not get Egypt out of them, conditioning. They were conditioned as slaves. They were conditioned to think less than. They were conditioned to live below and under. They were conditioned to live at a deficit, always in a deficiency, never in God will provide, I'll have whatever I need. And so if we're not careful, we'll be positioned in the kingdom, but still conditioned by the world. And the conditioning is the key. The conditioning is what causes me to still think, act, behave, uh, have an attitude of, have a position of the world, even though I've been set free. I've been redeemed. I've been delivered. You know, I just mentioned everything that Jesus showed dominance over. But you know what? There was a few things he did not dominate over. Could not. He could never dominate over someone's free will. He could never dominate over someone's heart position. Well, I thought he comes to transform hearts. He transforms yielded hearts. God has yet to force someone to follow him. Force someone to live to his standard. He never overrode their will. Never overrode their intentions. Never overrode their thoughts and their ideas. He knew their thoughts. He knew their thoughts. When they lowered that man through the roof and those Pharisees were standing back in the corner, who does this man think he is uh, that he can heal and that he can forgive sins? Jesus spoke to him and said, "I, I know what you're thinking. But he wouldn't override the thought. He couldn't change the thought. See, the position, that's God's job. But the condition, that's my job. It's a conditioning. We were talking with some individuals just this past weekend. They're in the medical field, and they were just talking about some of the restrictions that, you know, they've had to put up, obviously, in the medical field since 2020, and just talked about, you know, uh, how long it took to open things up or not use masks or all these different things. And they mentioned going on a trip somewhere, and they said, I think it was up north. They said, you would think it's still 2020 in some places. It's conditioning. It's conditioning. I'm not passing judgment on that. I'm just saying that, that there, there's, why are some not and why are some? Because it's a, it's a condition of your environment. We're all products of our environment. We're taking cues from different things around us. There's, and there's different scenarios and different situations. But at some point, we can't allow the conditioning to dictate our lives. We've got to start allowing the positioning to dictate your life. Now I'm positioned in Christ. I don't have to carry that offense any longer. 
No, I'm positioned in Christ. Healing is mine. I don't have to remain sick and bound. No, I'm positioned in Christ. I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Come on, you're, you got to understand your position, your identity, who he's now set you free to be and what he's set you free from. But this conditioning is dangerous. And Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Galatians, shows us this. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It goes right into Galatians chapter 4. 4 verse 1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is the master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And what is he saying? You need to get an awareness of who you really are now. You need to become aware of different things. You were once aware of the elements of the world. I need you to become aware of the elements of my world, the kingdom of God. And our lives will always reflect the level of our awareness. Our lives will reflect. You know, when when you talk to someone that has not been made aware of what you are aware of, when they don't know their privileges, their benefits, their access, you recognize "Mm, they're, they're not aware of their position in Christ. They're not aware of what God has supplied. They're not aware of what Jesus did on the cross. They're not aware that the stripes on his back would heal that sickness. They're not aware that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God, they're not aware that they are in Christ. They don't have to live in condemnation and guilt and shame anymore. They're not aware that God has set them free. You, you can see it. Your awareness is visible. It becomes identifiable. People still living for validation and fame and popularity and and being affirmed and being accepted. And it's like, man, you're not aware. You're his child. You're in the kingdom. You are greatness. You are royalty. I love making people aware of what they haven't yet discovered. But the enemy loves to hide and conceal. We've got to become aware of the right things. Our condition, if we're not careful, will inform our awareness. We'll live conditioned to the limitations of the world. The restrictions are off, guys. The limits are boundless. 
He's got such a great plan and purpose for your life. I, I promise, I do not sit up here as a cheerleader saying, this is your best year yet. This is your best year yet. This is your best year yet. I believe that with all my heart. This can be your best year yet. But you can't allow your condition to inform your awareness. you got to allow your position to inform. No, I'm positioned in Christ. Look, I understand that the clock changed, the calendar flipped, but you may still have the same bill on your dresser that you had last night. You may have the same people hating on you. You may have the same marriage situation. You may have the same child situation. You may have the same heart situation. You may have the same infirmity situation. But I'm telling you right now, your condition is not dictated by those things. And if you'll become aware of the right things, we just become aware of the wrong things. And where it was once natural for us to know there's a God, he's got a purpose for my life. He's got his hand on my life. He's got an assignment for me to accomplish. There's a kingdom that needs, without living naturally that, now I've got to relearn some things. You ever notice that relearning requires unlearning? Unlearning is a hard thing. There were the the kids that I coached in, 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 in baseball when I was coaching my son's teams they were much easier to coach at five than they were at 12. Because I get a new kid at 12 that had been trained to do something the wrong way the whole time, and now I got to undo that before I can teach them to do the right thing. Much easier at five. When the first time you ever picked up a bat, great, love it, clean slate. Sometimes it's that way in here. I could go back in the kids' classroom and say, Jesus loves you, he's got a plan. Yeah, I believe it. In here, you're like, let me tell you about my life. Tell me God's got a plan. And what do you got to do? You got to unlearn some garbage to relearn what you already learned that you forgot that you need to discover all over again. That's why I love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just takes us on this journey of discovery. Oh, man, that's the old you. Let me show you who you are. He doesn't bring up sin to condemn you. He brings up sin to convict you to say, man, you don't want that garbage. Let me show you something way better over here. Hallelujah. The restrictions have been lifted. Let's look at one more here, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm done being informed by my condition. I'm done being informed by where I was. I'm done being informed and taking cues from the world. I'm done being informed by my faults and my failures and my past. Come on, you want a new year, new you? It's time to inform yourself from a different source. Get a different source in your life. And whatever that means to you, that's what it means. If that's social media, if that's news, if that's friends, if that's family, if it's people, I promise you it's well worth the pruning and cutting and laying aside. It's well worth it to grow in who you are supposed to be in this year. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. Oh, thanks, Paul. Thanks for reminding me of where I came from. 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But look what he says in verse 13. But now, everyone say, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's my position. And he's saying you need to remind yourself, old is gone, new is come. Because your, your position doesn't match your condition. And I promise you, it doesn't matter what kind of life you lived in the world, whether it was, uh, you know, clean as far as, you know, just easy going, simple life. I was just in need of a savior or you ran hard with the world. You're going to have to unlearn the condition of your old nature because Romans 8 is very clear. The flesh wants nothing to do with God's plan and purpose. At the end of the day, there's a flesh nature, a sinful nature that, bows up against God and his word and his purpose every time. Every time. In the Passion Translation, verse 13 says, yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. He says this, you've actually been united with Christ. In Christ. In Christ was Paul's terminology that he was trying to get across to us believers. You'll find it hundreds of times in his writings. In Christ, in him, in whom. He's trying to clue us in that your life is now hidden with Christ. It's no longer I that live. Christ that lives in me. And I surrender. I lay down the old so I can take on the new, so I can become aware of heaven's purpose in the earth. Jesus, God is not invading the earth without using you and I. It's not happening. Don't buy the lie for a second that he's just going to come and do whatever he wants anyways, whether we go along with his plan or not. It's not going to happen. It's not an option. He's looking for you and I, men and women. He's been doing it from day one. He wanted to build an ark. He needed a man. He wanted a nation. He needed a man. He wanted a leader of his people. He needed a man and a woman. He wanted to start churches. He needed a man. He's been using men and women from the beginning of time, according to his word, let them have dominion and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over everything that creeps on the earth. It's just time to get in line with his plan. It's time to be aware of the right things. Let me give you one last verse, worship team, if you'd come. Go with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We'll wrap it up here, pick up here probably next week. Awareness, awareness, awareness. I want to be aware. John 
John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean. Look at that. You're already clean. What's that? Position. I've placed you. I've planted you. I've assigned you. I've called you. I don't have to strive for his approval. I don't have to strive for his validation. I don't have to work hard to to be approved by God. He approved me through his son, Jesus. Jesus met the conditions. You are already clean because of the word, the word, the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst the word. You already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Look at the next three words. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. I'm the vine, verse 5. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Guys, being close to Jesus is more than just, I know he's with me no matter what I go through. Yes, he is. It's more than that. It's more than just, I love having Jesus around. I love the fact that he's near. Those are great things. But for Jesus, he says, the connection is designed so it can produce something in your life. That as a result of being connected to me, something's flowing out of you. Something is bearing fruit in your life. He says, in essence, he's saying this. What you abide in determines what you become aware of. What you abide in determines what you become aware of. How are we going to become more aware this year? Abiding in the vine. Abiding in him. What's that abiding look like? Guys, let's let this year be the year that we stop just the visitations. We frequent the presence of God. We abide in the presence of God. We live in the presence of God. Doesn't mean you gotta have worship music playing all the time. That doesn't mean that, that you're you're in here 24-7. Doesn't mean that we're reading our Bibles nonstop. Doesn't mean that we're just constantly, you know, in, in our prayer closets all the time. It's not what that means. It means that we live with an acknowledgement. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and acknowledge me in all your ways. And I will direct your path.
Acknowledge, acknowledge just a knowing I'm working with him. I'm synced up with him. I'm teamed up with him. So we're going to take the next several weeks to unpack this. What does this abiding look like? How will it impact my awareness? And what does an aware believer look like? What does an aware believer look like? What would it look like if just those that are in this room this morning became more aware of spiritual matters? What could we do? How could we transform this community? Just being aware of his purpose, not aware of the destruction, not aware of the issues, not aware of the challenges. So they get us all mad and angry and frustrated and irritated. We start praying prayers of escape. No, that we say, God, how would you have me impact this situation? How would you have me put my hand to the plow and make a difference? Because I'm aware of you. I'm more aware of what you're doing than what the enemy's doing. A lot of believers have made the devil out to be stronger than God. The devil can just have his way, but God has to fight tooth and nail to get his stuff accomplished. No, that's not the case. He's just looking for yielded, willing vessels. Yielded, willing vessels, like we say, I surrender. All I have is yours so I can fulfill your plan, your purpose, the destiny you have given me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website, at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.